This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to the interview on the Raptors Republic Podcast Network. I'm Andrew Damelin, and today's guest is a Raptors 905 veteran, Southern Ontario native, and he is the Raptors 905 color commentator for Saga 960, also a member of the Canadian national team. His name is Dwayne Notice. Dwayne, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, man. This is big time. Thank you very much, and thanks for the coffee we just got at an undisclosed location in Vaughan, <laughs> Ontario. We're just catching up a little bit. It's been a, it's been a few years since we really caught up, and it, yep. it's nice it's nice to catch up, see where we both are. We're both on our respective broadcasting grinds, yep. and we're also and you're also trying to get back on the court for for Team Canada. It's been quite a while. How has that process been? I know it's been so long, and you know JJ Redick on his podcast talks about. Getting back from an injury is at least as much mental as it is physical. How has that journey been for you since July of 2020? Yeah, I would even double down on that and say that J.J. Redick is right, but it's even more than half mental. Like This journey has been long. It's been grueling. It's been challenging. But, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world because it presented other opportunities like the broadcast and the radio thing we are talking about. But, yeah, I'm continuing to rehab. I just want to get back on the court and be as explosive as I can. And I don't want to be a shell of myself. Um, it's definitely about confidence. It's definitely about that mental stability of being consistent every day and grinding. But it's tough, man. I ruptured my Achilles and my calf. So, um, you know, it's like that whole leg kind of went out of function. But I want to get to a place where I can compete at a high level again, whether that's playing with Team Canada or playing overseas next year, playing back in the G League, whatever it is. I know that I'm going to be ready for it. Yeah, I can hear there's some optimism and there's some hope in your voice. And everyone in Canada is definitely rooting for you to get back on the court. And that's one of your passions. And another passion you got is you graduated with a broadcasting degree from South Carolina. And you're the color commentator for the Raptors 905. You just got two games under your belt. And I also wanted to talk about how, the 905, how you think the 905 are doing and see your, your, your analytical point of view. And you get this great mix. You, you come in with this range of experience. You got a degree... You've got two years playing with the Raptors 905, and you're still in the middle of your basketball career. So there's so many things going on. So the biggest question I had that I find so interesting, especially with, you know, quote, minor league teams, there's so much turnover, including the coaches. New coach every two years for the Raptors 905. This year it's Eric Curry. You were coached by Jamal Malalela a few years ago. When you're going into training camp with your peers, what does a coach have to do to get the players to buy in, to trust them? Yeah, one of the biggest things, well, personally for me with Jamal Malalea, uh, my first two years there, um, he did a great job of being honest. Um, I think that's one of the biggest keys to uh, instilling that trust and, and establishing that trust between you and your team is if you just call it what it is. Everybody knows the G League is inconsistent. It's a revolving door of players, whether it's players coming down, whether it's players getting signed to two ways, whether it's trades. Uh, whether it's call-ups in 10 days. So 
There was games my first year where I would have like 25 points, 29 points, play the whole game. And the next game, they're sending down somebody who's coming off an injury or whatever the case may be is. But Jamma would let me know. He would tell me the day before. Then I remember one time I had a game where I played really well. And that night, he told me, like, the next game, like, you probably might not play that much because you're sending down so-and-so. I just got the text. So it's just about you as a player, um, as an athlete, as a professional, of how you're going to take it. And for me, I prefer that than going to the arena and then I'm looking at the matchups and it's like, oh, I'm not even I'm not even in the starting rotation. Or, you know, you find out you get a DMP by, <laughs> by not playing and you find out after the game, like, wow, it was a DMP. I had to know in advance. So I think as a coach, if you're able to establish – that honesty from the get-go, which is like, you know, in training camp, you let players know, like, listen, this is what my role for you I see on the team is, and it might change depending on players coming down or leaving. Uh, these are the amount of minutes I might guarantee you, but that could change. As long as you have that open, you know, communication and dialogue, I think that's how you establish that trust early on. So there's a level of transparency that creates that trust. And you said a key word in your response, a coach tells you your role. Do you ever, as a player, you know, who, who obviously thrived as a kid and in South Carolina made it to the Final Four, do you ever cringe when someone says, oh, Dwayne Notice, he's a great role player? Uh, I don't ever cringe. I just knock it up to people really not understanding. I won't say I want to undermine their basketball knowledge, but, like, not really understanding the intricacies of basketball because, um, you know, it is a team sport. Obviously, we have these guys who are obsolete and they're amazing and they're, you know, anomalies like the Greek Freaks and LeBrons. But without their teammates, you know, they wouldn't be as successful as they are. So I've always learned from a young age with shout out to Coach Roy Rano when I played with Team Canada, young age. I'll never forget. He handed out roll cards. So imagine being like 13, 14 years old. You're playing, you know, cadets or junior national, whatever the case may be is. And you're getting these roll cards that literally, def- like, you know, it, it says rebounder. This is what I want from you to do. Uh, defender, pit bull, this is what I want you to do. Or shooter, I want you to run hard to the corner so you can get your other teammates open. Like, so from a young age, you get your ego hit like that. And it's like, man, I'm not a, I'm not a, just a defender. I could play offense too. But when you mature and you understand, like, being a star in your own role is so imperative for, like, teams to be successful. And then I mastered it at South Carolina where it's like, I started my first two years. I think my third year when we got P.J. Dozier, uh, Frank asked if I can come off the bench. And that's how the mentality I took is, like, be a star in my own role. I get to come off the bench, similar to what Russ is going through it now. It's like, man, I never came off the bench in my whole life. But now I get to play with the second unit. Now I get more shot attempts. Now I get to, like, shine more because I'm in positions that I wouldn't be in if Sendarius and P.J. were on the court at the same time. So that benefited us. We ended up going to the Final Four my senior year. I mean, I started starting the next year, but – that kind of mentality always stuck with me to where every team I went to is like, if they tell me they want you to run to the corner hard and just be a 3 and D guy, be a 3 and D guy because your defense will keep you on the court, your shooting will keep you on the court, and then I get an opportunity to showcase my talents elsewhere, which is like fast break, which is like pick and roll. So you don't want to remain pigeonholed in whatever your role is. You still want to uh, show that you can do more. You mentioned Sindarius Thornwell, who played for the Clippers, and P.J. Dozier, who actually played a big playoff role a couple years ago with the Nuggets, yep, I yep. believe. Yeah, went so, crazy in the bubble. So you played with some NBA talent with South Carolina. And you know, you mentioned being able to excel when you're given that chance, You know, coming off the bench, for example. And one player on the Raptors 905, and I'm wondering if you saw the same thing I did in the last game, was Gabe Brown. Um, everyone was out. There was Doughton Jr. was out. Harper was out. Um, Saban Lee had just been called up to be to get a two-way with the Sixers. So Gabe Brown, who spent time with the Raptors in the Summer League, 
it seemed to me like the shackles were off all of a sudden. He was taking quick shots, taking threes, getting to the basket. Could you see that same thing, not just in the stats, but like in his mentality when he took the floor on, on Wednesday? Yeah, most definitely. That's the mentality you should take as a player is when you have a depleted ro- roster, like you said, always be ready. So when you're prepared and you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And obviously he's been putting in work in the gym. And all he needed was an opportunity. And that's what the G League is. You never know what happens. You know, people get called up injuries like we talked about trades. So the fact that we had depleted roster on Wednesday and Monday, I saw it on Monday at first. He started the game off pretty hot. And then Wednesday, he just took it to another level. Um, he's really active. And you just saw him. He played with like a pep in his step because, you know, you have a, a longer leash. There's not, you know, the same players that were there. So you can, you know, be free and make mistakes and, and recover from them. And nothing better than playing without any restriction. When you play with that confidence, that's when you play at a high level and find yourself more successful. So I'm happy that he kind of had that showing. Um, He's obviously capable. And like like we talked about earlier, you should expect that. I mean, I personally was confused as to why Saban Lee was even down here because he's such a talent. So I expected him to leave um, and get get picked up somewhere else. So if you know that as a player, like I always thought Jordan Lloyd was going to get called up or, you know, get or even when we had Kay Felder for a bit. I always knew that these guys were NBA talents and, and Boucher and all that. When we had Justin Anderson my second year, I'm like, yeah, he's going to get called up. These guys are great talents, so I just got to stay ready. I'm not playing now. I'm not playing in the position or role that I want to play in now, but it's coming. And that's what Gabe Brown did, and you saw it on Wednesday and on Monday. You mentioned Justin Anderson, and I just want to get off track just for a second because I remember that season. He played, like, what, eight games yeah. for the, for the yeah. 905 or something? He had one game at the uh, Scotiabank Arena. Oh, went crazy. Where he yeah. had forty plus, hit this like deep three. Yep. And he he also seemed to have this leadership quality about him, and it seems to have inspired you. How how did Justin Anderson inspire you during that brief time yeah. he had with the nine hundred five? I, mean, I don't want to be cliche, but definitely one of my favorite and best teammates I've ever had. Um, not even just on the court, off the court as well. Like my mom's loves him. Like my family loves him. He came, like you said, he didn't stay with us that long. His duration with the 905 wasn't wasn't that long as he left to go to Long Island Nets, but now nah, he was at my family's house. He was that's how that's just speaks to the testament of the kind of person he was. Uh, the first day, I kind of knew of him because I had played against him uh, when he went to uh, I forgot where he went. Uh, Virginia? Yeah, no, no. When he went to uh, uh, he went to a prep school. He went to like a big time prep school. Okay. Um, and I had went to St. Thomas More, so I had seen him and heard of him, and then yeah, I knew about him in university. But my first time. Meeting him, I was getting some extra work in the gym, and so was he, but we were on opposite sides after practice, and he just liked that. And then we ended up shooting together the first day. We don't even know each other, and we're just, like, competing against each other. He's uh, shooting his infamous bank shots from deep that he actually hit one of those in Scotiabank Arena. Um, and we just grew from there, and I just think we gelled because of our, our connection and our work ethic. And then from there, we just found out we're, like, alike. And, yeah, his leadership is great, man. He's a positive, optimistic dude. Like, he comes in all the time. He was one of the first guys that, like, because my second year, we had Tyler Ennis, Jawan Evans. We had O'Shea Brissett. We had a whole bunch of NBA guards that were in my position. So I played significantly less than I did the year before. And it wasn't because of my trajectory or my, my, my ability. It was just because of how the, the, the dice rolls, like we talked about. But Jama, again, like we talked about, before the season even started, he already told me. He was like, listen, man, like, this roster that we just got, like, it's going to be tough to get you on the court, but continue to work hard. Like, you did so much for us last year. Like, we'll see what happens this year. Um, but Justin was one of those main guys that after games that I didn't play that much or games where I felt like I should have played more. And, like, as an athlete, it's so easy to fall back into that funk of, like, 
of me, 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 and be selfish of like, man, if, if we play, we would if I played, we would have won, or I should have played more. But Justin was one of those guys that like, yo, keep your head up, man. Like, let's go to the gym right now, get some shots up. Let's let's this, let's, let's do that. And it, it really helped my confidence and really helped my maturity as a basketball player. And um, it's one of my like good friends to this day. And he's a presence. Not even if if he's not in the NBA, he's still a presence on social media. He's yeah. like, he's, yeah. he, you could you could feel his voice yeah. through any platform yeah. he uses. So you share this competitiveness that you just see in each other from across the court. And I'm wondering on this Raptors 905 team that you know, they're four and four, a couple of losses that we might shake your head for a second. But is there anybody on the roster, whether it's Doughton, Harper, Reggie Perry? where you see some of that competitive desire that maybe you possess as well? Is there someone that you, that you see in you? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I definitely like uh, Jeff's play. I feel like Jeff Down uh, Jr. has a lot of game, and he's very confident. And uh, Reggie Perry similar as well. Like, I love the way he gets into the paint, uses his body. Um, I think he's best when he's not settling for, for outside shots. He can definitely show the range, but I feel like when he gets in the down low, he's a, he's a menace um, and he's a mismatch. So those are probably the two guys. But I, I noticed something interesting after the last game on Wednesday, I, or maybe it was Monday, one of the two games. Um, I, I saw a CV. Uh, I saw a Gabe Brown as well, and another player come back onto the court after the game. So they lost, but literally after the fans left and everybody, they came back on the court and they got some plyometric, in, plyometric work in, and they also got some – some court on court working and that was very telling for me because that's something that I used to do too like a guy in CV's position I see myself in CV a lot where it's like you know he has the capability of being such a major contributor to this team but then also there's those times where other players will come down and he might not play as much um so his minutes might be inconsistent in that sense but his play has always been it's been the same and and I really thought that was telling for a guy that you know didn't shoot it that well on Monday to come out and then shoot right after the game and get that working. It wasn't like he was doing it for show. There was no cameras there. He didn't post it on his social media. Like, he actually went and got his extra work in because that's what, like, competitors and hoopers do. I like that a lot. Yeah, we should mention for the listeners, CV is Christian Vital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played for the uh, Hamilton Honey Badgers, the team that we both have uh, associations with. He was, a, he was the finals MVP. And uh, he's got this reputation that, the coach Ryan Schmidt of the Honey Badgers, formerly an assistant with the 905. Christian Vital has his reputation of being difficult to coach. And Ryan was like, there's nothing further from the truth. Yeah. But for anyone watching, watching Raptors 905 games, just watch Christian Vital. That competitive spirit is what, is what, is what I've seen. There's the offensive rebounds he's grabbing at yeah. six foot two or exactly. whatever he is getting on the floor. So there's someone maybe people can drive. Um, there was not the leader of you know, scoring of the team or whatever. He's right. a role player. There's someone I imagine that you can you, you can take something from. And another player that I'm so interested is the in is the other two way player, Ron Harper Jr. Yeah, yeah. He's got size at six foot six, finishing yeah. around the rim all the time, sort of grunting, yelling when he finishes around the rim. What do you see as as his trajectory? Yeah, like you said, he plays with that swagger, like just screaming, yelling. Um, I like his IQ. Like he makes really high reads. He can shoot it really well. I like his stroke. Um, he's just really competitive. He also defends as well, and he's so lengthy. So it's like when he gets in the key, his like difficulties when it comes to his finishes are really, really impressive. But I think there's a huge amount of upside to him. Like you said, he has the size. He has the ability. He has like the sneak athleticism, and then he can also shoot the ball extremely well um, when he when he's has his feet set. So that's somebody that I think is going to make an impact, not only just in the G League, but in the NBA um, coming up soon pretty well. 
but just because of his work ethic and he's a part of a basketball family, right? So he he has that he's cut from that cloth. He has that that genes of just being a competitor, and he's really impressed me so far. Yeah, Ron Harper Jr. is such an interesting story. His dad's obviously Ron Harper, the NBA player, right. five-time champion. But his mom was actually his coach uh, right. growing up, and that was like a difficult thing for him. And so mm-hmm. he was he was raised on the competitiveness of his mom, actually. So he's he's really shown out so far uh, in the G League. And the last player on the 905, I think, with NBA experience anyway, Reggie Perry. We've already talked touched on him a little bit. Double-double machine. Scoring in the paint, driving so much, not really getting the benefit of the whistle mm-hmm. that much, which he's talked about. And it's been an ongoing uh, sort of narrative from last season to this season. And it's not to sound overly negative, but he, the officials sometimes, I th- the non-calls mm-hmm. sometimes get to him. If he's missing a shot, Coach Mintabo would talk about, we don't need to show our frustration outwardly on our way back on defense. We right. can just get back on defense He's gotten three 10 days, I think, last year um, with the NBA. Clearly, he's got NBA talent. If you're a teammate of his and you see these things holding him back that are sort of ongoing narratives from one season to to this season, what would be the best way to get in his ear to try to get that mental focus on just where it needs to be? Yeah, for me, I always tell, like, I've I've dealt with that, having teammates that are always complaining about the refs. And, look, it happens, man. Sometimes refs don't make the best calls, but – we know we're in the best league in the world, pretty much. Like, we're in the top leagues playing at a high level. And, you know, we play really well. We're, we're quick. We're fast. We're skillful. So we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes they just miss calls. But um, I find that guys with his size, like, it's tough. Like, they don't give, you know, big. I'm a bigger guard as well. Sometimes I don't get the calls that I feel like I should get as well. But you just got to focus that energy elsewhere. Um, I think Matoma made a great point. You can't outwardly show your frustration. But as a teammate, you just got to keep them locked in. Um, one of the biggest things I've learned, and I think that we all know from a basketball is that standpoint, is that there's no such thing as reversals. I mean, you could, you could, you know, challenge a play, but for the most part, there's not, you know, the ref is not going to take back every foul or look at every play. So, you know, control what you can control. That's how I would tell them. Control what you can control, and you can control how you play. You control the shots that you take. You control how good of a teammate you're being. And if you, you know, eliminate those distractions of getting into that quarrel with that ref or um, focusing on that last miss or that last turnover, if you can just limit those uh, distractions, then you can be the best player that you're capable of being. And I think that's what I would tell them. Control, you can control. We can't control the refs. So if we continue to put pressure on the refs by attacking it like he's been doing the past few games, they're eventually going to have to make these calls because these guys can't guard him, especially when he's making his mind up going downhill. And all they can do is foul him, and eventually he's going to get to the line. So which player on this team can deliver that message? And is it always more effective when a player can deliver a message than it is than a, a coach, no matter how much how respected that coach is? Yeah, I think it's anybody with leadership qualities. I personally felt like Saban could have been that guy. I know mm. he's not with us no more, but Saban was a guy that's been in locker rooms in the NBA. He's played, I think, about 80 games in the league, and that's someone that could take over games when you need it. And it, that's usually how it works in sports is you, you used to you usually revere somebody that's, you know, of that quality. So if someone is a two way or whether that's Ron Harper or Jeff or someone who maybe he's on the Raptors or maybe if he gets called up Reggie Perry to a different team and they kind of speak to him, he'll respect who's talking to him. But, I mean, you should give everybody that respect. And it could be any one of his teammates that could kind of bring that up to him and remind him, like, listen, 
we can't control the refs. Let's just keep. But everybody does it. Everybody has someone on the team that's focused on the refs and gets frustrated by non-calls. But um, I think it's more effective if a player steps up and talks to them than a coach. I mean, obviously, having that great player and coach relationship is big time. But when you have a teammate that's like your brother who you spend more time with on the road, uh, in, in practice, like outside of the court, tell you face-to-face, like, you know, I think that you should focus on doing this or we could do this to be better and vice versa. And you have that reciprocated respect, then it'll go a long way. Yeah, and Ron Harper mentioned in one of his early uh, press conferences after a win, it might have been the first or second game of the, might have been the, second game of the season, he mentioned pulling Reggie uh, aside and, and saying, he said the PG version was control what you can control, that type of thing. So maybe Ron Harper Jr. is the guy that uh, sort of emerges as that leader. Young guy, um, spent, I think he spent four years at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but he's got that maturity to him. So maybe he becomes, he, maybe he emerges as that leader. Because I feel like, especially in this minor league system where everyone's got their individual goals, right. um, can someone be that emergent team voice is going to be a big factor for them and it's interesting this 905 season four and four they probably deserve to be about four and four and there are games where the team strings together mm-hmm. two three stops it's a bucket the other way yeah and they, it's almost like there's an on-off switch right do you see do you see a similar thing no i've seen it too it's funny the last game i called i had keys like take notice keys and one of them was the tmc the marathon has to continue because i feel like the past two games especially, like, there's been instances where we've went on runs or even started the game really well, the quarters really well, even had 14, 15-point leads and then giving it right back up. I feel like 905 has done a poor job of closing quarters. I feel like other teams have been winning quarters or giving that effort. But, yeah, it's tough. It's tough when you're uh, – when you're when you're in this grind of the early season of trying to establish that consistency of keeping your foot on the gas pedal. Um, but that's just how it is in the G League. It's just so much inconsistency. You have nights where you're tired. You have nights where you're not really focused. But if you can try to string together some of that consistency, then you'll pick up those wins. And how well do you know Coach Curry? Pretty well. He joined us my second year. So I, I think I had the fortune and pleasure of going to NBA Summer League with the Raptors the, my, before my sec, prior to my second year with 905, and he was on that staff. And then uh, he was our assistant coach my second year with 905. And, you know, he's been at this for 10 years now, and he's, he's, he's relayed a message to uh, media that, you know, he used to think it was all about analytics and tactics, and then he realized that, like, 20% of it is tactics. Right. 80% is team building. And so he's obviously taken that leadership aspect to heart. And I wonder how, you know, he galvanizes a team. Because it's obviously part players trying to get through to guys. But it's the coach as well that's got to lead that message. And these games are, you can see the fluctuations in focus. Yep. So, like, you know, you, you were coached by Frank Martin. Mm-hmm. Coached by Jamma. Like, you know, a well-timed timeout during yeah. the game in a in a good huddle like how often can a coach be bring that big message versus like mm. they've heard my voice a hundred times today i need to step off like how often can they go for that and yeah well, that's that a great message? question and i did have the luxury of playing for like two sides of the spectrum where jama was like the nicest of nicest coaches i don't even think he cussed or yelled <laughs> like my <laughs> two years playing there to like a, a, a Frank Martin where it's completely opposite. I like great guy off the court and knows his X's and O's and really smart and he's very encouraging and motivating. And when you do things the right way, he's going to let you know about it. But for some reason, the media always focus on his negative stuff. But 
he was able to fire us up in different ways, whether it be a timeout, like you said, and just cussing us out. Or there were times where he wouldn't even give us construction criticism. He would just be quiet the whole time out because he knew we were tired of hearing him yell. So that also sent a different message in itself. It's all about the tone and the messaging. I feel like you have to coach everybody a different way. Um, you might have a player who's not good at being yelled at and they don't do well and thrive in an environment where they're being cussed out. But you might have a player where you have to get on them and you have to yell at them and they need that and they don't need the coddling. So there's, it's, as a coach, you got to make that discretion of how you coach your team. Um, but everybody has different identities and everybody's motivated by something different than each other. But you have to pick your moments. There's times where he's going to have to probably like, you know, because it's unacceptable to, 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 to score a bucket and get a layup scored on you on a made bucket like that. It just happened a lot It's to happened a lot, and it happens in spurts um, after a made free throw, after a made layup by us. Like, the team is just headmanning the ball, throwing it down the court, and going for an uncontested layup. It's those mental lapses, laps that we're talking about. But, however, I think that's not always on the coach. Like, being a player myself, those are some things that are just inexcusable. Like, we're too old, we're too mature, we're too grown, we're too skilled, we practice too much for us to allow that to happen multiple times throughout a game. So um, at some point, there has to be accountability, not just from the coaches, because there's nothing you could drill. We, we, we go through all these transition drills, and we go through all that stuff. At that point, it just becomes your, your toughness, your heart, and just your pride. Like, for me as a basketball player, that's what drove me as a defender is, like, I don't want this guy scoring 30 points on me. Oh, this guy's amazing. I don't – Theo Penson's one of the best players in the league. Oh, I don't want to be on his highlight tape. That would be my motivation. So as a player, it's like you should be like, I don't want a team scoring a layup uncontested on my home court after I just scored. Like, there should be no excuse for that. Um, it goes down to communication. But like you said, there's going to be some points throughout this season because Eric Corey is a nice guy um, that he's going to probably have to start getting on guys or pick his moments and how he chooses to motivate them going forward. Because I see these buckets, like you mentioned, off a free throw, uncontested dunk. Yeah. The, the other way. And I think, you know, if you're a high school coach, it's easy to bring the guys in and say, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Right? What are we doing? Like, what is that? It's college, similar to. Not, a you little know, the, bit, yeah. I, you know, these, these are more so grown men. Right. But the, the message may get through if you get on them in a very demonstrative yep. way. But now we're talking about professionals. Right. Men. Right. Adults with kids. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> right? So it's so nuanced to me it's like when you know because it simply can't happen but if it happens so there are some teams where and i think it was the veteran bubble 905 team mm-hmm. where very veteran laden team they could play through mistakes they right. would realize their mistakes right and then you know it happens once it's like they're going to correct it right it happens three times yeah it's to me it's like what is a coach to say to do to be like it's not a, like you said it's not a strategic thing it's we just got to tighten up. Right. Can a coach in a professional atmosphere go off like that? How, how, many, how many times can they go off before they well, lose the route? I think, interesting enough, what you said about Corey, just even his mentality and his demeanor, if he was to ever snap, I think that would incite that type of motivation because similar to what I said about Jamma is like, if he did yell, we knew, like, all right. Like, if we didn't know internally ourselves, like, this was unacceptable, when we got to the point where he was yelling, it was like, all right, we're really forced. Like, we're doing something that's not right because he rarely yells. So that could be a similar path that, you know, that uh, coach that Eric Corey decides to take is where he's not known for his yelling and being the type of guy that's going to cuss you out in your face. But if he does that, we you know, break the clipboard one time or whatever that case may be is it might inspire change. But like you said, 
having a, a, that veteran presence and guys who are trying to play at the next level, that's who it should be. Guys like Reggie Perry, who's been called up three times prior to this season, to bring them together at a free throw, all huddled together and be like, come on, no more. No more of that. Like, that's enough of teams just coming down her throat and just laying it up after a made basket. Like, that's that's OD. That's not a good That's not a good thing. And like you said, when you have those older guys, but it doesn't have to be necessarily older in age, just guys who are experienced. Um, so it was dope that the 905 had that bubble team that was able to do that. Because similar to me at South Carolina, that's what happened with us. Like, my my final year, Frank wasn't yelling nearly as much, if at all, because Sindarius, myself, uh, Justin Mackey, and we had Chris Silva, who was older, upper upperclassman, P.J. Dozier, who was older. So we had older players, so he could trust us. So if we did do something we weren't supposed to do maybe once or twice, he knew that me and Sindarius were more likely to get on everybody else because, one, it's our last year. Two, we're trying to make it to the tournament. Three, we're just older. We, we could be a vessel and a valve because we know what Frank is about to say. We could reiterate what he's going to say in a better way and have a more positive message but still get on them because they're our boys. So we could say some things that they might not take offense to that maybe a coach might take offense to. And like you said, it's a different time, man. Like, even – now cancel culture is a big thing and it's just a different time of what you can and can't say and can and can't do but even my i think my freshman year frank got in trouble suspended one game because he came and yelled at me at half court and it was an espn game uh uh, when we played florida gators and he said some things that the camera picked up so you're right like you have to pick and choose your battles and what you can and can't say it's a different time now but it just goes back to what we said about earlier just having that pride yo. like as a player the coaches is to, to, to put that on film, to put together like a – because there has been – it's happened a few times. So you could put together a little highlight, one-minute video of the amount of times it's happened and just show that film and have them see on camera how they look to understand, like, come on, you got to play with more pride than that. It can't be giving up easy baskets like that. All right. So that's the negative side of the team. There's, and uh, I didn't want to – I don't want to end uh, the conversation on uh, – the Raptors 905 conversation on a negative note. I feel like there's so many – individually NBA capable players on this team and you know, the four and four like we said we got this G League showcase that's 16 how long 12 games yeah. 14 games 12 games and you go over to the showcase etc mm-hmm. how do you see the rest of the short little season playing out because clearly coach Curry is going to show them this film the message will be relayed in some form where do you how do you see this team sort of finishing out this portion of the season period that's the question yeah i think they're gonna finish strong because they have the personnel to do it um one thing i always admire about the raptors organization in general is that we have that next man up mentality so even though we have a depleted roster whatever the case may be is i know that the other people will step up last game you had christian patel step up gabe brown did his thing you have guys like michael frazier who's coming along um as long as reggie continues to do his thing and hopefully we'll get ron back he didn't play last game um as well as jeff but if they can continue to protect home court, I think that's the biggest thing. They started off 2-0 and in the showcase at home and then unfortunately dropped the last two games at home. But if they're able to, to protect home court because we have such a great home environment and atmosphere, I think that'll go a long way. And if you could steal some games on the road and maybe stay in games um, and just uh, uh, work on those two things, I think it'll be great. But I personally think they're going to have a great showing in the showcase because they're competing for something. And, and, like, you know, your manhood, your pride is going to be challenged, like, this is not the beginning of a, just any regular season where it's like, oh, these you know first couple of 10 games, whatever, don't really matter. We could pick it up in the middle of the year. We could pick it up the third half of the season. Like This is a showcase, and they're competing for something right now. The official season hasn't really even started yet. So 
they have to just lock in. I think they will. And I think these last two games will be a wake-up call, and they're treading in the right direction. You don't always want to peak so well um, in the beginning of the season. You want to always be on an even uphill climb, whether that's ascending at a slow rate or at a quick rate, but you just never want to fizzle out. So it's good to have these early moments of adversity, and if anybody can handle it, I think it's going to be Eric Corey and the rest of the, the personnel for the Raptors 905. And the team's got the talent, definitely, to do it. So just a few games left in this showcase, and then they're going to be competing for, for a big prize in, right. in Vegas. Um, and listen, Dwayne, this, this, this is great. We could talk about these guys all day. I, I, I really appreciate it. We'll, we'll do another catch-up sometime yeah. down the line. And uh, listen, big good luck on the call. You continue to develop. And I hope the rehab and recovery continues to go as planned and you're back on the court feeling like full strength in no time. Nah, thank you. I appreciate it. I always love when we get together and we can chop it up and talk basketball. So this is amazing. Thank you. Appreciate you, man.